everybody, uh, this is White Lotus Radio. My name is Allison, uh, and my co-host is Nora. Hi, I'm Nora. This is a podcast where we're talking about um, Avatar and the Legend of Korra and being sleepy, and this is the end of book two, everybody. We did it. We, we made it. We got there. The, the bad times are over, I'm told. God, I hope the bad times are over. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think they are. I, I hope they are. Lord God. <laughs> Broadstrokes, what did you um? What did you think of these two episodes? Uh, we're talking about episodes thirteen and fourteen, um, whose names I don't have, but they're the last two of the season. Um, let me look at literally any details on these episodes to remember what happens <laughs> i've got my notes i i'll say that like oh 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 okay so me. i've talked a couple times about characters from the old show that mm-hmm. i didn't like how they brought back in this show mm-hmm. and we've reached the second worst one in my opinion i've genuinely forgotten who they bring back besides iroh and ang in this episode Zhao, the copper, oh, the right. moon slayer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have two notes that are, fuck you, Zhao. And then it was like past my initial reaction of like, I just don't like Zhao. I was like, wait, why is Zhao here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because they can, like, I it, guess. It just doesn't mean anything. And that was... Wait, why is Zhao here? Didn't he straight up die? I thought he just straight up died. I don't... Oh, I'm thinking of the movie. My bad. (laughs) Classic error. Classic error. (laughs) Error bending. That's me. I had a lot of stuff in um, these two episodes where I was like, it really showed that I have not seen the original series in four years and, like, do not Mm -hmm. remember a lot of, like, details, you know? Yeah. Um, so we should, we should start at the start instead of starting at this thing that happens in the middle. <laughs> so Korra is fighting Vatu and Mako and Bolin are fighting Unalak and they kick Unalak into the real world mm-hmm. so that they can fight there and Korra and Vatu can fight and Desna and Eska fight with Unalak and beat Mako and Bolin mm-hmm. and they go, go in to hit Korra when she's about to win and then Vatu fuses with Unalak creating what is in the credits referred to as Unavatu. That is that is a ship name. That's not a character name. That is a ship name. I'd like to read a sentence from the Wikipedia as Wikipedia entry for this episode. Okay, hit me. Unalak transforms into Unavatu, the strongest, most powerful, and darkest spirit that ever existed, and teleports away, knocking Mako and Bolin unconscious. The strong Unavatu is most real. powerful and he darkest spirit that ever existed. <laughs> Likes Lincoln Park. Dislikes parents. <laughs> God. He's the strongest and most powerful and darkest spirit. 
<laughs> okay. Okay. So I was, this is kind of at the end of my notes, and I was probably going to talk about it um, toward the end as like an overall view thing, but I'll talk mm-hmm. about it here. Um, I have a lot of mixed feelings about these two episodes because like there are spirits in the original show and it's like a very mysterious and like mystical and vague thing. Mm-hmm. And these two episodes, this whole season, but these two episodes in particular, move it toward like just traditional Western fantasy nonsense, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. And like, I'm really not sure how I feel about it. Like, mm. they turn the setting into a D and D setting. Ex- exactly. Exactly. They turn it into a video game setting. Like, I also have in my notes here, and we'll get to it when we get to it. But um. Oh, Korra is in a Kingdom Hearts level suddenly. Um, mm-hmm. Like, also they straight up used the final boss fight from the first God of War game in the for the finale <laughs> of this season. Yeah, like that's straight up what you do at the end of the first God of War is fight Ares in the bay, and you're big. Right, like. So I I've never really read or even sought out like this sort of criticism but i often wonder is like is avatar like kind of appropriative of eastern um philosophies and spiritualities and like it's never bothered me too much because a i'm ignorant and b it seems like they do a lot of research at least but Mm -hmm. then this just seems to take it in like a you know, like a much more Western direction. And it's like now the appropriation stuff question mark, like becomes more of an issue to me, you know? Well, I feel like this show is much more. Yes. Yeah. You know, in that sort of style than the original one. And like, I don't, know that i can say that it is like appropriative right i i I just don't know enough to make that call but it it raised the question for me more than the original show did and the original show still had that question hanging over it for me yeah i know that like hey it's made by uh not asian people right like i'm not believe they're both white but i do not know that as a fact right in my brain yeah same so like i know that they had a lot of like people working with them in the first show and Mm -hmm. it from what i understand they had fewer people working with them in the second show right so remember they wrote and directed the whole first season for example right they didn't have like aaron ahas writing stuff yeah so yeah Uh, um it's an interesting question that I wish I had more perspective on I, to be able to to talk about. If anybody listening has like input, then I'm sure we'd both be happy to to listen to. Absolutely, to and I think I kind of want to spend a little time um, this week doing trying to do some research on it. I don't know who would be writing about this other than like people on Tumblr from five years ago, but I kind of want to see if I can find. <laughs> um writing about that you know yeah um but that's kind of like a very broad thing we should like kind of recap a little bit more sure um, uh this first episode 
Uh, I've told y'all basically what happens. Um, they fight for a while, and Unavatu exists, and the heroes are defeated. On the other side of, mm-hmm. of this episode, in the B-plot, it follows Tenzin, Kaya, and Bumi searching for Janora. And they eventually find their way in the Fog of Lost Souls. That's where they see Zhao. Zhao is wandering and... um, This is not a great way to say it, but I, I don't know how else to say it. Like, Zhao is quote-unquote like raving like a madman or whatever. Like, that's the trope that they're trying to evoke, and that's like a problematic trope, mm-hmm. but like... That's that's he's, what's going he's on. Para- he's he's paranoid, mm-hmm. and he's frantic, and he he's repeating, "I am Zhao the Conqueror, Moonslayer, and I will capture the Avatar." And he sees Tenzin and thinks Tenzin is the Avatar. Like, and that's what you see in all the other characters in this area is is they chant things to themselves to keep themselves centered and make sure they don't forget who they are mm-hmm. except uh, that like i guess eventually that stops working if you're in there for like 70 years right right like eventually you're just repeating it but it doesn't mean anything anymore until you see a dude who kind of looks like the avatar 70 years later and you're like oh damn so yeah it it's a yeah. that's a little odd moment um i I like Zhao as a villain, like obviously pretty bad dude. Right. But like <laughs> I think he was really well acted and really well written, and it was just like a cool villain character for that first season. Yeah. Uh, um. As far like even in the movie, he's like the second best part of that movie. Huh. <laughs> that kind of like before we talk about more like um spirit fog stuff that also kind of reminds me of um the another like thing i was thinking about as i watched these episodes is that like i just don't unalak as a villain has just totally fallen flat for me like Mm -hmm. amon was the best part of that season and like amon still falls flat in ways but like unalak like i just don't have a clear vision of like what his motives are or like I don't have a good idea of what is going on with Unalak at all and like it's literally just I want the power right and like having Zhao shows up show up reminds me that like Zhao is kind of the same deal of just like unequivocal bad guy like no redeeming qualities just like no complexity Zhao just sucks but that is such a better execution of it than Unalak ever has been, you know? Right. It, they both have... They're both, like, motivated by ambition. Mm-hmm. But because that first show, and just in general, was way more grounded, they had a lot less room to make... Like, Zhao would never be, I'm going to become a dark god. <laughs> right, right. Even once, um, like some lady becomes the moon, it still feels more grounded than this ever does. Right, because when people interact with spirits in the first show, mm-hmm. they are removed from the show. Yes, yes. They're, they don't, like, power up, really, except for Aang at the very end. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, that also, um, we got a little glimpse of Iroh again. Um, I just wanted to bring this up because I didn't bring it up the first time. There's nothing new with this Iroh appearance, but I noticed he's wearing, like, um, traditional bossing say garb, and I thought that was a cool little detail. That's the I only thing I had think to say. Some of the happiest times for Iroh were probably oh, absolutely. immediately post Zuko's sickness when they're like making noodles in in the Earth Kingdom. Right. Like Tale, Tales of Bossing Say is like my favorite episode of that show and it's definitely like mm. Iroh at his happiest and also like Iroh at his lowest and I think like um I don't I don't have a point. I thought maybe I had a point. I I don't have a point, but I just thought that was cool that he's okay. dressed like he is embossing say rather than like the fire nation stuff that I think he felt distant from throughout his life. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, um, I spent a lot of time thinking that season three was the best of, of last airbender, but season two has some of the best episodes of the show. Yeah. Um, like just off the top of my head, there's tales from bossing say there's Zuko alone. Mm-hmm. There's um, oh, Zuko alone is in season two, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Crossroads of Destiny is still really good. <laughs> hey Nora, do you ever think we yeah? should watch uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender? <laughs> <sighs> Maybe. I mean, it's still That's the a... it's still the problem that we had at the start of this, which is I have nothing to say about the a- Avatar except that I love it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that, there, that that I really have that much to say about it. Um, like so, like without some kind of approach. Yeah, I feel like, like if if y'all want us to just talk about stuff we like, we can do that. <laughs> right, right. Like, <laughs> I just don't know that we have anything to contribute to public discourse about last airbender yeah a show that is like 15 years old and universally beloved maybe only 10 years old i don't know i don't know what time it is it ended in 2008 okay is 05 to 08 okay so yeah back to tenzin in the spirit fog they see zhao uh kaya and boomy um kaya and boomy get their best moments of the whole show so far i think um boomy starts having like flashbacks to war which is like kind of sad and um kaya says that she doesn't have family and like she's clearly um very distant from this whole family and like doesn't associate with them much and like having that so clear like was a kind of cool moment um tenzin then kind of stays centered but starts to lose himself too um and then ang is there yes Aang is there. Um, question. Yes. What? What? Mm. I think, I don't think Aang is lost in the spirit fog thing. I think Aang, um, as the no, Avatar, he's... his spirit can kind of just wander and like sees his son struggling and. I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me because that's not something that's been shown. Yeah. The other explanation I can think of is that Aang is not there. It's just that at his lowest, Tenzin starts imagining Aang is there, but Aang is, like, nowhere near here. That's my best guess. I, I don't understand that scene. 
it it like look they needed to finally force some character development in this show at all and like the wikipedia page says is visited by a vision of ang yeah yeah because of this these two episodes this whole season and these two episodes are like the the D and Dification of um, a- Avatar's cosmology, but then we are suddenly visited by like a thing that is totally unexplainable, and like this scene would work better in the first show than it works better in this show. <laughs> yeah. Um, I... Or maybe Aang was really haunted by Ozai stuff and like ended up here. I don't know. Well, no, I, because he literally Aang... can't end up here because he's busy being with Korra all the time. Because he is Korra, right? Yeah, so that's horseshit. He's not really. The whole thing with reincarnation is that it's the same soul. Mm-hmm. So, so is Zhao never not, reincarnated, be... or like? No, I think that his his soul was taken by the ocean spirit as vengeance. Okay. I literally now, am forgetting how book one ends, so I'm going to trust you on that. Well, he's on the thing, and then the ocean spirit picks, like slurps him up. Okay. Like does a big the sip. ocean spirit because because yeah he does a big sip because Aang is doing the um the the kaiju thing. I forgot Aang does the kaiju thing. Yeah, that Aang is totally big... slipped from my mind. Wow, that's a hell of a detail. Aang does a big splashy and <laughs> becomes a kaiju. And then he sips up Zhao, and the ocean spirit leaves Aang and takes Zhao, I think is how that goes. That sounds right. In the movie, he just gets straight up killed by four faceless, nameless waterbenders. Huh. That's a change. (laughs) Yeah. He gets sucked into a big ball of water, and they just hold him there and drown him on screen. Wow, that that is rough. (laughs) <laughs> That's a bad way to die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um So Aang shows up and tells Tenzin like Ten- Tenzin is like beating himself up because he's never going to be um as good as Aang was. And Aang shows up and says, "You're right. You're going to be a different person. Like you're not you're not me." You are not my legacy. Like, you are Tenzin. And Mm -hmm. it largely falls flat, even though it's the thing they've been building to for 14 episodes and is the thing that needs to happen for... And, and like, Aang wouldn't say that. Mm Mm-hmm. Because from everything we've heard, Aang didn't believe that. Yeah. So... Yeah. (laughs) It has to be Tenzin himself. Yeah. It's regardless getting stuck on like nitpicking the well, mechanics and, of the of the setting is going to get us into trouble in like 10 minutes when I do it again. So. Right. It just sucks because um character work is like the original show's strong suit and mm-hmm. this show is now attempting to do it for once and is just terrible at it and to the point where like even Aang has an inconsistent character after like 10 years of um Mhm being fine you know anyway 
The other thing that happens in this episode is the thing that I remember really hating and still uh, don't really like that much. What was that? Unalak, after fusing with Vatsu, pulls Rava out of Korra. Yes. And yes. starts laying into her and like hitting her over and over again and every time he lands a blow it flashes to a past avatar as they get deleted Mm -hmm. as the connection between her and Korra is severed and so Aang is now dead yeah Aang is just this is it yeah and so I remember liking that the first time because it's like very clearly um, thematically throughout these two episodes, like about severing connections to the past. And there's like the metal layer of severing connections to the previous show. And I remember really liking that back when I first saw it. And then now I'm like, well, what the hell have they done to earn any of this though? Like what the hell? <laughs> right. They're saying they're doing this, but they haven't done it. They're not really engaging with the past of the show, and when they do, it's just like both of the Iros show up. Show up, you know, like three minutes ago, we had a Zhao cameo, right? And like a character who wasn't even mentioned in the second and third seasons of Last Airbender, right? And like, if somehow the first or even the second season of Korra was suddenly about, um was in any way about, like, ramifications of the Hundred Year War. Like, if if the Hundred Year War is mentioned, like, four times across two seasons, this this works better. If Korra had talked to Aang more than once, this scene works better. Like, there's just... She doesn't use her connection to her past lives for advice or counsel or, or to talk to them the way Aang does. She's straight up only uses them as a battery right like I, she we had that scene in this season where she goes into the avatar state for six seconds to like win a race with a child mm-hmm. like she yeah. doesn't treat that bond with much respect right and like laid on top of that like the thing i'm talking about that i'm not really into where they're now totally changing their approach to spirituality in the show. Like it's not a great moment and it kind of, mm. like, so have being able to bend all four elements is not related to being the avatar. Yeah. Korra can do that because Juan could do that. Anybody could do it if they were given the bending by the, spirits Mm -hmm. it's just that her soul when she was one took on all four of them and used them and so she has them still yeah but like i just dropped something it's all good like so they're split they split that away from the avatar state which I don't maybe in beginnings I don't remember did Rava fly through Juan to switch his bending I mm. is that is that what it was like 
Like she, like, she just passed is, like, through him and he started through Juan at some point, but I don't think it's to like give him different bending because he gets all his bending from the lion turtles and it can just do things. But, but am I? Do, do, is there not a line where they're like you can't hold more than one in your soul because of that's why you need Rava to hold them for you? That might be right. That might be right. So maybe I was totally wrong just 30 seconds ago? I mean, like, I don't know. If they're going to codify the the cosmology so in, like, such clear black and white lines, you know, like, it doesn't help when, like, a very key detail is, like, difficult to remember, you know? Yeah. There's going to be another one of those in, like, five minutes. Yep, yep. <laughs> I have a lot of things to say about the cosmology and like the mechanics of magic in this setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, this we this the end of this season is the jet of Legend of Korra. <laughs> Unalak is the jet of Legend of Korra. Did he just die? It's unclear. <laughs> but um, let's 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 move toward that. Oh, I want to. I just wrote something um, in my ep- in my notes that um, uh, she's about to put Vatu in the tree at one point, and I wrote, um, "This is like in wrestling where the bad guy kicks out." I don't watch wrestling, but hopefully, a wrestling joke gets us more listeners. <sighs> Is this your new bit? Uh, this is my new bit. I don't know. I also just keep thinking I should start watching wrestling. Robocop is canon in wrestling, in WWE. I've never seen Robocop. Robocop appears as Robocop. Like, the character Robocop is real. Good. Good. He walks onto the stage and opens a door for somebody who's trapped in a cage. Okay. <laughs> I'm into it. I think that's all he does. I, for some reason, own, like, um, a bunch of Frank Miller RoboCop comics, even though I have never seen RoboCop, and I also think that Frank Miller is, like, top ten most vile people alive now. Is is he the wizard or the anarchist? Um, he He's the, um, made Batman go to Iraq and kill Muslims one. I don't think he's an anarchist because he was super duper pro Bush. Okay. Yeah. Wait. He... Am I thinking of the same person when I say the wizard or the anarchist? The wizard is Who's Alan the Moore. guy with the. I don't know who yeah, the, is... the anarchist is off the top who of my wrote, head. Who wrote V for Vendetta? Oh, oh. V for Vendetta is also Alan Moore. Okay, so I was thinking of the same person yes. when I said the wizard yes. or the anarchist. <laughs> cool, good. Comics. I don't get them. Listen to my fuck. Fo- I don't know. We're not talking about fucking V for Vendetta, and we're certainly not talking about any Frank Miller bullshit. Hey, Allie, where can people hear about comics if they want to learn about comics? Uh, Zero Heroes Cast at, on Twitter.com, zeroheroes.podbean.com. We're going to be recording our first episode um, on Sunday, and I'm reading Giant Days right now. It's very good. Cool. Or like Giant Gays. <laughs> There, there are some gays in that book. Yo, nice. There are some gays in that book. I, I, mm, 
I'm still reading it, so I'm not going to say anything. Also, this is not the podcast to talk about it. This is, yeah, wrong podcast, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, I know you thought we were recording Zero Heroes today. Uh, no. Because you're not even on that show yet. Yet. <laughs> uh, Should we talk about the so, second episode of these two? Well, first we got to talk about Janora. Oh, right. Oh, here's something else I wrote um, uh, in my notes. is uh, SSJ Inora. It's like Super Saiyan Janora because she's all glowy mm-hmm. and yellow. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a great Genora, joke. The, after they find Janora in the Fog of Lost Souls, they're headed back, and Janora's like, wait, I must go. I... Don't worry about it. Here's a butterfly. It'll take you out. I'm gonna go save the world. Mm-hmm. And she disappears. Yes. And I don't know what any of this means. And like, I don't really understand why Janora is so spirity in this season. Yeah. Like, why is she so attuned to spirits? It's like. So once again, they're like trying to like codify and like make all this um, spirit stuff very clear, but meanwhile they have Janora in the show, just like like having like a unexplainable mystical connection that is vaguely reminiscent of how they used to approach spirit stuff, and it's just magic bullshit. And I I like Janora, and I like, but like. It's very inconsistent what's going on here. It's just all very inconsistent. Yeah, like, Iroh had some connection to the spirits, or, like, at least some, like, uh... He was, like, not a very... empathy, but, like, it was able to, like... It, Iroh felt like, in the first show, like, he had that sort of mentality mm-hmm. for getting along with spirits... But he was also an old man who was very much into a certain state of mind. Right. Like, he's very, like, he's he's meditating every day. He's, like, drinking tea. He's, like, he's kind of your traditional, um, and once again, like, I'm not informed about a lot of Eastern spirituality, but it's, like, kind of the trope of that, um, like, Zen state thing. I guess, and like, mm-hmm. then then in this show, Janora is just magic, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's a little weird. Um, maybe they talk about it later, but I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know. I like I'm not against people just having weird powers. There are people with just weird powers in this show, in the next season even. Yeah. It's just that, like, this seems almost like they wrote it backwards from the end of this season. I can definitely see that. I can I can definitely imagine that they started book two with, we want to wipe the slate clean and we want... Um, the spiritual world and the physical world more intermingled and then they like worked their way backward and that like 
unfortunately like gets us episodes like that are spinning their wheels and other episodes that get like messing with the cosmology too much in like weird ways i don't know i don't know you know what's cool about janora though huh last four letters (laughs) huh so tenzin and the gang with two a's oh i get it uh because they're gay um (laughs) finds the teens and heal them up with some spirit water I wonder if, like, just the water in the spirit world has the same properties as the spirit water from the first show. I I know we're harping on this a lot. I also had, again, that moment watching this where I was like, how did healing work in the first show? Because healing just seems to be magic that some waterbenders can do now. And, like... That's how it was in the first show. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna... That's okay. what it was. <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> Um, so Korra is the last avatar because Rava's dead mm-hmm. and there's no cycle. Yes. Unavatu attacks Republic City. Unavatu emerges from the spirit world above Republic City. I don't know why. There are bigger population centers. We know the bossing say is way bigger. We already have all these paintings of um, <laughs> Republic City, and if we wanted to have him attack, like, Bossing Say, we'd have to, like, get all those paintings from the old show into 720p or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or in 16 by 9. <sighs> like, that's the only reason that. <laughs> <laughs> also, because we've, like, seen the president of republic city and we don't know who like the earth king is at this time or queen. i don't think there's an earth king anymore maybe it's a she's a queen and we'll meet her in the next season okay but they didn't know that when they were writing this season <laughs> <laughs> they knew there was a fire lord not a fire lady that's what they know uh here's the thing about the avatar setting mm-hmm. all monarchs are queens Allie. <laughs> fuck off <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> hey, Nora. Hi. Fuck off. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Varric escapes prison during this. Yeah. Because Unuvatu makes a bunch of vines grow throughout the city. Remember, remember last week when I was like, uh, I don't know, maybe Varric is like, it's a it's a commentary on Elon Musk types. Maybe it's fine. I I regret that. I regret that deeply. This I, was what twenty fourteen. I was young and foolish. Twenty thirteen. I just looked at it. I, I looked up at the screen where it plainly says November twenty second, twenty thirteen. By the way, July nineteenth is the ten year anniversary of the end of the first show. So look oh. forward to that. We should, we should do something for we that. Tweet. I don't know. We should tweet on that day. <laughs> we should we should at least tweet. Like, maybe there should be something in the podcast feed, but that's like a month away. So, who knows? True. Anyway, um, uh, 
Varric escapes. So Tenzin takes Korra into the Tree of Time, which is the tree that Vatu had been imprisoned in. Mm-hmm. And it has the jumbotrons that show her mem- her old memories. Yes, and he also and says also phrases. Me- you go. And also memories that she doesn't have and can't have. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, it's sort of an omniscient tree that just gives her a bunch of memories, and she meditates in it. And he tells her. He tells her to get in touch with the cosmic energies of the universe, which like. That's like when I, that was the exact moment where I started just being like, I hate the new way they're approaching this. Like, I was like, it was bothering me. And when Tenzin says the word cosmic energies of the universe, like, it's clearly just some bullshit. (laughs) It's some bullshit. Uh, I'm sorry to be so negative, but it's just some bullshit. Listen, I like some bullshit. Yeah. It's just, a, it, and if this was just a prettier show, I'd probably be into it, like Jupiter Ascending. Oh my gosh! If this show was Jupiter Ascending, hey Nora, let's do a Jupiter Ascending podcast. What, like one episode? Like what? <laughs> let's just watch Jupiter Ascending every week. Let's just make a podcast called Our Movie Podcast, and then we'll be like, "Hey, what do you want to do for our movie podcast this week?" <laughs> Um, um, <laughs> so here's what happens. You remember that time Aang and his connection to the Avatar spirit was represented by, um, Aurora Borealis path leading to giant Aang holding a ball of light? The Kingdom Hearts stuff. Right. The Kingdom Hearts intro level. Yes. There's also this bit um, in Near Automata. Like, this is just some video game thing. <laughs> basically, that is back, and but in a totally different context, because that was supposed to be, like, the ultimate cosmic avatar spirit of, like, you are a thing that is beyond people. Mm-hmm. And, like, before we had, like, Rava to explain what the avatar was, it was just that, like, your soul is something different that is that is bright and beyond humanity. Yeah. And here it's just, there's, you have spirit energy in you, I guess. And if you tap into it, you can become a giantess. All I want to do is see you turn into a giant woman. Giant woman. <laughs> um, so she, well, really, she doesn't. Her spirit leaves her body and gets big. And oh, blue. also, um, this is like the big character moment is that Tenzin passes on what he's learned about not being Aang to Korra and is like, you are not Aang, you are not Rava, you are Korra, and like that's what gives you strength. Um, Which, once again, falls flat because there hasn't been any character stuff with Korra in this. It would be a really... It, I have another thing to say, um, but it would be really cool if they played into the fact that this isn't called Avatar. It's called The Legend of Korra. Oh. If they, if they made that a goal, then they could have shown from the beginning, like, hey, 
you are not a legend because you're the Avatar. Right. You are Korra. Right. Like The other thing is that to show that I could have written this better, um, <laughs> when they're fighting and it's Avatar against Dark Avatar, because that's mm-hmm. what Unalak is calling it, it's the Dark Avatar. Yes. What they could have said is that I think it would have been a really cool moment if they're if he's like he's like bragging like finally we're fighting on equal footing it's it's us it's two people and two spirits and we're finally like equally matched and then Korra could be like no because also there's 10,000 of me because I have all of the memories of oh, the other right. avatars focused into a single point Mm -hmm. that would have been like a really cool moment to show look i am not just korra and rava i am korra and ang and kiyoshi and roshi and everyone right i i am way more than you right i've been doing this for thousands of years and then maybe like severing that link would have felt more impactful even without doing the work in other episodes. Yeah. It's I don't know. I ho- I hope the bad times are over. Like just it's so like, much of this I don't even here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I don't hate the things that happened here. Yeah. There are things I like. I think liked. they're rad. But I think that they bungled the, like, execution and the presentation of these themes and these events. Yes. Of, like, this could have been really cool, and instead it's just kind of weird and confusing at times. Yes, and, like, they had 13 episodes to get here, and, like, some of those episodes are just spent on, like, conspiracy theories about... um who's betraying who in the um, war between the North and the South that does not matter anymore. The war between the North and the South does not matter at all in the end. And, like, if they had instead spent all that time developing Korra as a character and developing um, her connection to Aang and to past avatars, like, this is a million times better. Like, the season started off with a civil war, and just like the Equalist movement, that those tensions will be gone in the next season. Mm-hmm. They're, they're gone Ulock in the final gone. moments of this episode. Like, they're just erased. Boom. Right. But inst- instead, the thing that is going to matter moving forward, the thing that does change and does mean something moving forward, is the stuff with Aang, and we get nothing. Yeah. It's Does just, Aang it's even speak before his vision with 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 Tenzin in this season? He got like we don't even get flashbacks this season. Yeah, he got like two lines in um, the final episode of the last season, and like he got all those flashbacks in the last season, and like it, yeah. I'm not saying that we need more Aang in the show to make it better, but if you're gonna make a big deal about that connection, you have to use that character. Mm-hmm. I think I I think I've kind of said all that I know to say with the Ang stuff of just that like 
it's flat. It's just so flat because yeah. they they spun their wheels so much, and then none of it. They, it felt like it didn't matter in the moment, and now it like doubly doesn't matter. A lot of that stuff, you know. Right. Um, so, the thing about. Rava and Vatu is that even if one of the like they fight okay so I did a lot of research outside of the show to figure out what exactly the deal was okay they're not constantly fighting they have a battle at harmonic convergence every 10,000 years and whoever wins decides like the fate of the world for those 10,000 years okay so the thing about it is that they kill each other every 10,000 years and whoever wins, the other one reincarnates inside of them and eventually emerges into its own being. Okay. So that's why in the fight with Unavatu, Spirit Korra reaches into him and pulls out Rava. Yeah, and I knew that was I remembered that detail. I remember that being established of um you can't have one without the other. Um and like I don't know why Janora is the person who brought that light out in. Is she? So they're Is fi- that what she did? They're fighting. Janora descends from the sky suddenly. There's like flashes of light. And then like there's a little light seed. She's got like a seed or something, I think. The Wikipedia page says Jinora's spirit illuminates the fragment and Korra withdraws Rava and purifies Unavatu. Okay. And why is Jinora doing any of these things? Because the script. What is that? Is that the script? <laughs> What's that paper drifting in the wind? Is that the script? Once again. There's no answer for this. Would be cool it's... if like We'd spent more time developing Janora's magic powers than is Varric a good guy or not? I know, okay. So the thing about Janora, one thing is that she can see spirits that other people can't. Mm-hmm. But that's not the angle that they lean into in this scene. No, no. <laughs> like, if you wanted it to be like, oh, Janora can see it, and that's the important part, then you can make that part of the scene. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I don't. I have no idea what is happening in this moment. <laughs> I'll say that I love the big kaiju fight. I love eh, the big Dragon fine. Ball Z nonsense. It's not enough. Like yeah, they. It's very limp for that kind of fight, in my opinion. Yeah, they've only got uh, like two moves. There's like <laughs> chest blast thing. I love the chest lasers, to be honest. I mean, like, the chest lasers are good, but imagine if there was, like, a chest laser and a cool kicky thing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, So, Korra beats Unavatu by doing the spirit calming technique that Unalak taught her. Mm Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Yeah? What? is that first of all what is that they never explained what's going on there second of all every other time the show uses it they purify dark spirit into a light spirit and because their natural state is not a dark spirit Mm -hmm. 
but everything that I've read online indicates that that is killing Unalak. Yeah. And there's no indication as to why suddenly it counts as killing a spirit and when it didn't beforehand. Yeah. I specifically did all this research to see if if Unalak would reincarnate. Hey. The argument that I saw was that because he died in the Avatar state, that connection is severed. Which, that detail no longer makes any sense. No. Now that we have the structures of like knowing what the Avatar state is, it makes no sense to me why dying in the Avatar state would be dangerous for the Avatar. Hey, Nora. Do you remember... What's up? At the end of the le- uh, of Avatar The Last Airbender, when, like, Aang makes the really difficult choice to, like, put Ozai in prison instead of killing him, and, like, it's a really poignant thing, and, like, it's one of the most powerful things that happens in that show? Mm-hmm. What if we when just he... started killing villains at the end of every season? Well, and also it's that, like, he specifically stops the avatar spirit from killing ozai yeah like the will and focus of a thousand avatars is all in one entity and he pulls that back in order to find another way to finish that remember how one of the most powerful images of that show is that like this like imperialist conqueror who has like committed atrocities for generations like i mean like i know him only one generation than his father but like there's this image of him like in a fucking prison cell and like it's really powerful what if instead of that we just killed villains at the end of every season like well first of all there's no way they could afford to have Steve Bloom come back (laughs) That's true. That's true. <laughs> they can't afford to but, like paint um, Bossing say or like the Fire Nation <laughs> Capital. They certainly can't afford Steam Bloom. Um I don't know. See apparently the dark avatar cycle is broken. It's not said in the show, but outside of the show uh, Michael DiMartino has stated that, that that is the case. And, and that, like, follows from what's going on in this. Like, that makes sense to me. Uh, There's a lot that doesn't make sense to me. That, in particular, I'm like, okay, sure. He did say that 10,000 years from now, Vatu would emerge from Rava again, mm-hmm. which will be the first time that happens with when there's an Avatar in existence huh. so that would be a weird interesting thing that story will never be told no but um it's a cool I'd pitch like to, i'd like to pitch you my dark avatar sequel to legend of korra okay hit me so what if unalak was reincarnated mm-hmm. he would probably be just be reincarnated into the water tribe because the avatar with like all four elements is the one who kind of switches between nations like that right um, but unless harmonic convergence had some effect on that and like, I don't know, it's weird. It does some weird stuff. Uh, 
But so in the aftermath of the events of this season, imagine in the Earth Kingdom, mm-hmm. someone is born during this episode. And in the years after this season with the spirits coming into the physical world, mm-hmm. imagine some folks in Bossing say are like, mm, we don't really like that, actually. We don't like these spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, we're going to, hey, we've got these big walls, and we're going to start using them. So no spirits allowed. And also, maybe just nobody who is an Earth Kingdom allowed, also. Okay. And so, the Earth Kingdom becomes even more authoritarian. Mm-hmm. And so, you have the Dark Avatar born in sort of a fascist Earth, Earth Kingdom oh. state. Okay. And has this, like, this, like, inclination toward disorder and toward, like, dismantling. And ends up channeling that huh. toward, t- like, disrupting a fascist state. Right. And is actually, like, Dark Avatar, but in, like, the chaos is not always evil sort of direction, rather than, like, the dark, like, 10,000 years of darkness Right. Well, like, direction. In, in, in spiritual, like, ideas of yin and yang, like... Darkness is not necessarily bad. It's just a thing that is, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I can totally see that. And that would be good. I don't know if. I mean, also, she'd be like a, a cool punk lesbian. Earth oh, Bender, cool but... punk lesbian, you say. <laughs> um, but I know that I'm, like, totally out of, out of like, left field here. Because, like, there would never be a fascist in the Earth Kingdom, right? No. No. I I haven't seen past season three, but I'm sure there would never be a fascist in the Earth Kingdom. <laughs> Let me just take a sip of coffee from my There Will Never Be a Fascist in the Earth Kingdom mug and check what season four is about. <laughs> I mean, like... Since we're doing very light spoilers for um, the first episode of the next season, that thing I was saying about, like, um, Aang imprisoning his foes and stuff, I wonder if that's Mm going to show up in season three because they're going to maybe realize that's a good idea. (laughs) We'll find out next week. It's interesting how all of Aang's villains go to jail and all of Korra's villains fucking die. Just fucking die (laughs) i mean in fairness like kiyoshi killed a handful of people (laughs) kiyoshi did not fuck around and i love kiyoshi (laughs) (laughs) true kiyoshi Um, is also a cool punk lesbian so there's that yeah (laughs) the cool thing about like the avatar is that they're always trans And non-binary. They're both. Yeah. Um, Not that this show would ever address what that would be like, because that would require some sort of introspection or nuance. No, that would be fucking stupid. Um, Speaking of, 
There's some heterosexuality in these episodes. Do we want to talk about them? I don't, but let's do it anyway. The Bolin stuff sucks. I've just got that written in my note at like six different times. Yeah. I don't have mm-hmm. anything to say yep. about it. It's just stupid and bad. Uh, she abuses him into loving her, so that happens. Yeah. Yeah. But they close it out because much like they couldn't afford Steve Bloom to come back, they can't afford for Aubrey Plaza to come back no, either. <laughs> no. I was thinking like, oh, maybe they realized the, um, this was a bad plot line and decided to just wrap it. That was my generous take. And then I remember right now in this moment that Aubrey Plaza <laughs> voiced her and I'm like, oh, that's the reason they're not continuing this. Mm-hmm. Um sometimes a show makes a decision to get rid of a plot point and you're like, "Mm, I wonder if they like realized how bad it was. Um, It's almost never the case. (laughs) (laughs) Like Star Trek discovery did not choose to remove a character from the last episode of its first season because they realized how bad that plot line was Hmm. as an example. The, 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 the Trek heads out there will, will know what I mean. Okay. That's what they're called, I think. Trek heads. Trek heads. I also... Yeah. Oh, um... Desna or Eska calls um, Unalak a deplorable. Desna, welcome to the Resistance. And then the other heterosexual thing we need to talk about, I guess, is... um The whole... Uh, what are they called? Korra and... Fuck, what is his name? Mary. Oh. We're doing <laughs> fake made-up names then. No, no, I like literally couldn't remember his name, <laughs> and then I remembered his name, and then I made the joke. You just gotta remember your popping big bottles for Makora. <laughs> God. They're popping the biggest bottles at the end of season Between... two. Between... Between Mako the comp, Mako the truck, and Mako the en- the planetary energy source, what's your favorite Mako? <laughs> Definitely the truck. <laughs> Definitely the truck. I haven't played Mass Effect 1, but... The truck. It's a space truck with a gun on it. Yeah, it's a space truck with a gun on it. What more do you want? Good controls? Good controls. <laughs> Now that's what I call a harmonic convergence. God. Nailed it. (laughs) You know what? We don't even need to talk about the rest of the episode. That's it. We're not getting any better than this. (laughs) I honestly don't know if there's anything else we need to talk about. They they kill Unalak. Uh, The war is over. Korra rebonds with Rava, creating a new avatar cycle. Uh, Korra leaves the spirit portals open. Yep. Uh, making the two worlds linked again. Mm-hmm. Uh... They, she remembers that they broke up. Um, they're now officially broken up again. Um, and then they kiss after they break up. Okay, look. I'm not saying it's good, but I'm saying that, like, we all make mistakes when we're 19 and breaking up with people, and I don't need you to call me out on this show. (laughs) (laughs) 
look, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I hated that moment at first, and then I thought about my own life, and that's all we need to say about that. <laughs> I wasn't calling you out. You did that. <laughs> the um, Avatar no longer represents the bridge between the physical and the spirit, and is now a general force for change and balance according to wikipedia huh oh she also so core gives a big speech to like a crowd of paintings of people who don't have faces or eyes or anything it's (laughs) very rushed she gives a speech about um like rava and the dark avatar and stuff and i'm imagining being like there's not twitter in this show so like imagine being just some dude who lives in the Southern Water Tribe and being like, what is she talking about? What is the spirit? Or imagine being somebody living in Bossing Say, like the sky turned purple for 20 minutes yeah. and now there's fucking demons everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> like, most people just don't know what harmonic convergence is. Like, <laughs> right. And she says something about harmonic convergence went well or whatever. Like, harmonic convergence isn't what the festival was at the beginning of the season, was it? Uh, I think the this festival at the start of this was the solstices? No. That's from the other show. It's a yearly thing, though. It's a yearly oh, festival. It? So it can't be harmonic. Okay. But maybe there's like minor harmonic convergences every year or like No no no. That's not how that works. That's not how that works. I don't know. No idea. Did we get any questions today? I don't I don't believe we got any questions. I'll I'll pull it up. Um No. That's no all questions. right. Um Final thoughts on season two of Legend of Korra. We are halfway through this show. How does that feel? It's a thing. I don't know. I'm... I really... Like, I don't want to be mad at this show anymore. I don't want to keep doing, like, the podcast where I come on and either have to talk about Todd McFarlane or just feel bad, you know? Well, hey, hold on. <laughs> oh, did you feel bad talking about Todd McFarlane? <laughs> Actually, it turns out Todd McFarlane might be a, a shitty person. I'm shocked. I'm... I don't know. I didn't. I didn't know anything about Todd McFarlane. I, I like. I don't know anything about Todd McFarlane, but I do know that like he hangs around with like fucking Eric Larson and shit. So like, I'm not shocked. I know. Like I know. I know that Image Comics publishes books by, like, queer trans women. Everybody check out uh, The Pervert by Michelle Perez, even though it's, like, a super 18-plus book, like, super duper. Um, But they also publish stuff about, like, by Howard Chaikin, where he has, like... I I won't even say what's on that cover of that one Howard Chaikin book. If you want to find out, you can Google it. But it's, like, literally too gruesome and racist and terrible for me to describe on this show. Um... Image Comics mm. does a lot of great and a lot of really terrible things, and it's because of their, like, hands-off libertarian approach to publishing, and so it doesn't shock me that Todd McFarlane sucks. 
The thing I read was specifically, uh, he joined a video game studio with a racist former MLB pitcher that eventually ended up defrauding the state of Rhode Island. Oh, I remember, <laughs> I remember the the people who defrauded the state of Rhode Island. I forgot that they were racist. <laughs> I have no idea what that's referring to, but <laughs> it was like. I want to say it was Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning, but I do not... Oh, my God. I could be wrong about that, but I remember a game defrauding the state of Rhode Island. That game was so nothing. I. That's why I think it's that game, God. because I remember it was like they defrauded the state for nothing, but I don't... I'm not 100% on that. I'm pretty sure Todd McFarland worked on that game. That's wild. That's... <laughs> I remember bananas. it being like a big deal because it was like, oh, this this legendary property is going to be a video game. It's like, what are you? Is this a comic, <laughs> or is it going to be a comic? Are you like talking out of your ass? It seemed like it gave itself too much gravity, and then it ended up doing fucking nothing. Is there a sequel? I was googling it, and it auto completed. Yeah. Ken Ralston was the game's executive designer. R.A. Salvatore, that D&D guy, created the game universe and lore, and Todd McFarlane working on the artwork. Hey, hold on. R.A. Salvatore is... is you, we can call him what he is. The guy that killed Chewbacca. He what? He wrote Vector Prime, the first book in the New Jedi Order uh, series, which introduced the Yuuzhan Vong, which are a cool idea. They're poorly, uh, poorly executed, uh, and that first book ends with a moon falling on Chewbacca. <laughs> Whoa! Also, Grant Kirkhope He's, did the musical he... score. Grant Kirkhope's good, but um, I is Grant Kirkhope good? Like, I don't know if he's a good person, but he makes good music. That's true. I just know that he hung out with Gang Brumps that one time. Uh, that's all I, I know about him I totally forgot about that um, I, I I only know R.A. Salvatore because my mom was trying to like I read a bunch as like a little kid and then in like 5th and 6th grade I wasn't really reading anymore and so my mom bought mm -hmm. me like some R.A. Salvatore books because she knew I liked fantasy did you read Drizzt? I read some Drizzt I kind of liked Drizzt I read the first Drizzt book not published but like chronologically the prequel one mm-hmm and it was okay. Should I read more Drist? I, I, I do not know. I, I read two Drist books, and I, I don't know where they fit in into the timeline. I figured it was kind of like a Indiana Jones-style thing where, like, there wasn't any continuity between books, and then, like, later in life found out that there's definitely some continuity between the books. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that people give Drow a bad rap. I think that if you let your players be tieflings, but you don't let them be drow, then that's kind of fucked up. Yeah, I I don't know anything about um, D and D, but like that seems reasonable to me. If having demon blood in your veins doesn't make you inherently a bad person, then being part of an evil culture doesn't inherently make you a bad person either. Right. Okay. That's my hot take. Okay. Um. What else was there? Oh yeah the. So I read, like, two Drizzt books, and, like, they didn't really stick with me. And then the thing that actually got me back into reading was that, like, I got way deep into uh, Twilight. I read, like, all four Twilight books in, like, two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, oh, you were you were late to that one. I was late to that one. 
I think I read that. I was reading those when they came out. I was real big into them at the time. I think, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, I read um, all three in two weeks, and then like a month later, the fourth one came out. I think mm. that's how it played I out. I never did see the fifth movie. The fifth movie is incredible. Nora Blake, <laughs> next week's episode of the podcast is not about The Legend of Korra. It is about the fifth movie. <laughs> because that thing i don't think we could do that that thing is amazing nora you have to see that (laughs) do you know Um, what happens in that movie i know what happens in the book i know that the movie is like just kidding the movie yeah yeah we i won't say more because i don't want to (laughs) spoil breaking dog Um, part two but like that movie's incredible yeah that was a bit that was that wasn't like um significant push in my like getting really into vampire stuff like my first yeah thing was castlevania and vampire hunter d uh by which i mean the books i read one of the books and i really liked it uh that's that's a hell of a thing yeah vampire hunter d light novel podcast would be great i'm in those books are wild i'm in sure (laughs) let's go for it yeah i definitely um went from twilight to buffy and like buffy then dominated my like high school years and stuff also, like, Twilight's problematic, but it was the first time I was ever reading a book from a girl's perspective, so it's got a place hey, in Hey, Twilight's life. problematic, but it didn't deserve as much shit as it got. Well, I saw a really spicy take once that I'm kind of into. It's maybe a... That was like, if we can let boys have their trash Ready Player One books, then we can let girls have their trash problematic Twilight books. I don't know. They're both harmful. They're both harmful. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not 100% with the take. I'm like 65% with the take, you know? Lindsay Ellis did a video about the, like, backlash that Stephanie Meyer had, like, faced as a person because of Twilight Mm -hmm. and how, like, it was totally out of proportion for what she did, which is write some some books that she wrote some like <laughs> bad problematic books that like teen and listen, girls enjoyed people are gonna tell you oh those are problematic because of like relationship stuff about like vampires watching you sleep and like weird bad power dynamics and relationships but don't, it goes so much deeper don't don't forget about the really shitty like Native American stuff in those books. Oh, I was thinking like, all the stuff about like <laughs> premarital sex and abortion that's in those books. I totally forgot there's like really racist stuff too. Yeah, like that's that those books are harmful and shitty. Yeah. But like I don't think that they deserved to be I don't think that like the people who liked them deserved to be like constantly and perpetually made fun of for literal years after those Mm. were even relevant yes like twilight became such a punching bag and i don't know that it's really deserves that much that's that is that is the like 60 percent agree with the take or whatever that like okay either we need to equally trash on like books meant for boys or we need to like let both of these slide and i would lean toward like we need to equally trash on ready player one and luckily we've gotten to that point don't get me wrong ready player one is also super racist ready player one is so racist oh my word 
Like, <laughs> uh, they're both really bad, and they're both really harmful. It's just that, like, when people make fun of people who are into Ready Player One, the perception is of, oh, you're so mainstream and, and like, boring Basic. and shallow. And like, like, oh, you like the popular thing. Wow. People who Whereas like... Whereas when people like Twilight, it's like so much more... They got like actually harassed that. and stuff. Yeah. L Ugh. Luckily, I dodged a lot of that, but like people were getting harassed. Yeah, I, I wasn't online at the time. Mm -hmm. And like I had my one friend at church who also liked Twilight. Yep. And we both read them and we both liked them. And then we like just moved on we we weren't like fandom yeah people we weren't we weren't connected to any other people who liked them so we didn't really realize that they were like that big there were like so years later there were like everyone in my middle school read them and then there were like three girls who were like deep in the fandom and like i wasn't deep in the fandom but i was like talking to them about the books like you know a lot because we had all the same classes and then there were like some boys who were shitty to us about it, but that was like the extent of it, you know. The first Twilight movie came out in two thousand eight. Wow. Have you have you ever heard the back? I this this is apocryphal. Don't quote me on this, but have you ever heard the backstory that that was supposed to be like an action movie about the dad killing some vampires, and then those books sold like a billion copies or whatever? I've never heard of that. So like, I guess. She sells the movie rights before the um, the book, like, got popular or whatever. And so, like, the studio was just going to make a trashy vampire movie. And then it was, like, the biggest thing in the world. And they had to, like, actually adapt the book that was written. Hmm. That is... I read that on Cracked.com ten years ago. So don't, like... That may be a load of bullshit. <laughs> Um, I know that it would it barely like that first movie barely got out the door before the writers strike. Oh yeah. I didn't expect to be talking about Twilight today. You I'm telling you, we should watch Breaking Dawn Part Two for next week's podcast. If people want to like consume some vampire content that is not racist, what would you recommend? Well, certainly not Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um Right. But what if I want to see, like, a misogynist get owned by a powerful female character? I mean, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, I feel like you're setting uh, me up okay. for something, and I'm totally blanking. <laughs> no. Just, did you know that Joss Whedon's back on Twitter? Oh, God. That's all I'm going to say. But Buffy is problematic, but if you want to see misogynists get owned by a tough, vamp tough vampire lady there are tough vampire ladies in that show who own misogynists apparent uh, from time to time other uh, hmm non-problematic vampire stuff i can't think of anything off the top of my head because i'm not like looking at a bookshelf or whatever well um i know what i'll be doing okay is uh, on tuesday i'll be buying vampire the don't nod action game <laughs> I, I didn't know probably... Don't Nod was doing that. Okay. Yeah, they had to get this one done before they could do Life is Strange Season 2. I just figured that they were only working on Life is Strange 2. I didn't even realize that like they had another game coming out. 
I'd heard. Yeah, they had this one in development last year, and they were like, oh, yeah, we want to make Life is Strange 2, but we're working on Vampire right now. <laughs> um, I don't also, know anything about that game. Also, we need this uh, voice actor strike to roll over before we can make Life is Strange 2. <laughs> well, no, because it's going to be like an anthology thing. It's going to be totally different in a different batch of characters. Oh, Ashley Birch is showing up in that video game. Don't even worry about mm, it. Uh, maybe, maybe they can get her to write it. <laughs> I hope so. I like Ashley Birch. I don't know anything about the gameplay of Vampire, but I know that one of the pre-order bonuses is a sword. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know that it's a game about, like, oh, you're a doctor, and there's the big, this big epidemic of flu, I think? Like, Spanish flu epidemic or whatever? And you have to, like, decide who are you going to eat or not eat. Huh. But also, there's the, the pre-order DLC as a sword. So <laughs> they really love uh, lesbian baiting in those video games, huh? Oh, you're not a woman. I mean, like, but it, you have a sword. <laughs> That's fair. The only thing lesbians like, like, it's like girls, swords is like the two most loved things. Number one, of course, is girl with a sword. Yes. <laughs> Which is why Kill a Kill is so popular with lesbians, question mark? I was about to say, which is why uh, Kingdom Hearts (laughs) is so popular, because Sora's a girl. But you made an actual good joke. But there aren't any swords in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, did I I send you... Excuse you, the keys are swords. (laughs) That's not true. They're swords. They're keys. And when you stick them in people, you unlock their deaths. Am I wrong? Yes. <laughs> yes, you are wrong. Well, good, because I quoted Caboose from Red vs. Blue, so <laughs> thank you for not taking me seriously. <laughs> Yo, remember 10 years ago when you would watch Red vs. Blue with your friends and then quote it all the time as if it was like the modern Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Hey, Nora. Because that's what Red vs. Blue was for the for the mid to late thousands nora do you remember how i was living in a dorm a month ago Mm -hmm. do you remember Mm -hmm. how i lived in a dorm for four years yeah yeah that's still going on people still just quote red versus blue at each other that's wild it's like a little bit more um rick and morty now um just like walk into a room and i'm funny um I should catch up on Red versus Blue, probably. <laughs> we should do a Red versus Blue podcast. Oh my God! Yes, we did. Okay, maybe not, but no, listen. it's the worst idea we ever had. But here it is. Um, no, it's not. It's no. I we had to control... do a podcast about the Control Alt Delete animated series. Um, but here's what we do: every episode we watch one episode of Red versus Blue and one episode of Ruby. or we alternate we alternate here's here's the deal with ruby Mm -hmm. i was looking back at some of the earlier stuff and there's some bits in there that i that are not really defensible well i can't imagine that would happen with red versus blue uh well yeah uh actually 
just off the top of my head, there are some words they use a lot that, uh, <laughs> no thank you. <laughs> Can't imagine what you're talking about. No idea. Well, if if any of you out there are able to mentally complete the phrase, you killed church, then uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <sighs> but, um, yeah, I want to, I want to, like... I really like Ruby, and I want more people to see it, but it's hard to recommend it because of some of the jokes that happen in that show early on. How long has Ruby been running? It started in 2013, okay. which is about the time that Korra happened. Yeah, I can see 2013 internet humor. Like, I'm I'm watching, like, some old-ass Run Button right now, and, like, Run Button is way more defensible than, like, old Rooster Teeth stuff. Um, but, like, there's some... There's some stuff there that I know, like, Keith and Kyle are not proud of, you know? Um, yeah. And, like, yeah. I, I I am very familiar right now with 2013 internet humor, and... And they're, like, very brief and don't contribute anything, and you could just cut them. Yeah. And they, like... They have over... That show has gone has undergone a massive overhaul since it started. Um, partially because the creator passed away. I forgot um, about that, yeah. Yeah. And, like, after, the third season is, like, a real pivotal moment where it kind of goes into a new direction. And it gets really, really good at that point. Hmm. And it's hard to, like, really recommend it because as much as I love it, it's like, hey, remember this joke? Yeah. Remember when this thing happened and people treated it like a joke, even when you could have just made that not be a joke and just be a thing that happened. Mm -hmm. None of this is making sense to you. I'm sure it's fine. Like, like I, I have like vague ideas of what's going on, you know, like I can imagine like, yeah. Anyway, do we want to, anyway, uh, the Ruby video game is kind of bad, but I, I still played it a bunch. <laughs> um, I think that's going to wrap us up for book two of Korra. Where can people find you on the internet to recommend you vampire stuff that isn't problematic? Um, Let me pull up my Twitter real quick, because I have a lot of stuff suddenly. I've went from zero things to, like, a billion things. Okay. Um, Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. You can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora. You can find me on other podcasts like Hollow Sweethearts and Lost Library. Um... It's Pride Month, so I'm obligated to remind you that my character on both of Lost Library's current campaigns are trans lesbians. Hell yeah. Uh, my other podcast is going to launch soon, and it hasn't done that yet, so don't worry about it. But you'll hear about it on my Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Blake. You can find my games at norablakeblog.wordpress.com. And you can give me money on coffee. <laughs> Ko-fi.com slash neither Nora. Yeah, so um, if you go to my Twitter at Allison underscore coffee, A-L-I-S-O-N, there's not like two L's or whatever. Um, you can find a pinned tweet that's got like basically everything in it, but um, you can give me money if you want on coffee. Um, I've got a medium where I've been doing some games crit and some music crit, um, a lot of Twitch streams of Kingdom Hearts, 
archives of which are going on YouTube, uh, which is linked here. I'm not going to read all the links because you can find all this on my Twitter. Um, and also YouTube link is like U-C-T-T-W-Z, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. I've got like content going up on that YouTube every weekday through like June 12th right now. And that's a weird. I understand there's some cursed content coming up featuring yours truly. There is some cursed content um, featuring you. Um, there's some particularly cursed content um, that is going up as we were speaking uh, with my friend Marcy. Um, but your content is pretty cursed. Um, <laughs> the only non-cursed ones are the ones where I'm just by myself. Um Right. And I just get sad about Kingdom Hearts periodically. Like, there's just a bit where I talk about why I love Roxas um, that is just, like, sad. Is Roxas cool? I love Roxas. Roxas... Okay, I'll send... I can send you... you this Twitch clip. Roxas is a very sad boy, um, and he doesn't understand anything that happens in his life, and he feels very disconnected from his body. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Well, I was going to follow that up with, would you say that he rocks? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, then you went and made it, like, real. So. <laughs> Sorry. This was the <laughs> no jokes fine. episode. This is where we just, like, critiqued Cora for a while. Yeah, not a single joke happened in this episode. No, no one laughed. Um, there's definitely nothing you're going to have to edit where I clipped my microphone <laughs> from laughing. You're... I have never had to do that. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so catch us next week. Uh, start of book three. I'm hopeful. I want to be excited. I'm not excited, but I'm hopeful. <laughs> um, next week, we begin book three, which I think is called Change. Yeah, they kind of like ran out of elements to uh, name books after at some point. Well, yeah, they. Yeah. Uh, Legend of Korra. <sighs> what was this book called? Spirit? Yeah. The first season was called Air. Yeah, the first season was called Air because it had to be, yes. Next season yeah. is called Change. Um, let's hope this changes and... into a good show. Hey. And then book four is called Balance. Oh, cool. I can't wait to get the loop. Keep it flamio, everybody. We're I am I'm done with this. <laughs> oh. No, I'm joking. Keep I'm joking. Flamio.